Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. And the real start to the Chuck Oliver Show on this Tuesday. It is hour two. That is the song that we played to begin every program. We played at the beginning of today's program. Only because out of obligation, folks. Last night, we had two semifinal games. One goes to overtime. The other gets decided on the final play. Fabulous individual players and personalities. All-time great coaches. How about this for a curveball? There was a game where the bad guys won, and it involved Alabama losing. Like, Alabama lost a game, and we looked at the other. Oh, the bad guy won. Like, that's where college football is. You, you can't start, actually start the show following those games last night with anything except on field. And so that's why when we actually did start the show an hour ago, I told you last night proved all the naysayers wrong, at least in the moment. After all the games have now been played, the last two teams standing are the last two undefeated. Sounds awesome. Truth is, we have all been distracted. And with the changes to college football, which change can be awesome. And a lot of times, change is incremental and change will gradually, slowly, I don't know, quickly get you to where you probably should have been all along. The pace of change in college football, it, it will it will melt your radio. It has gone past you so fast. And because of, I'll say, the stark abruptness of the NCAA refusing to even listen regarding change for, I don't know, about 125 years, And then in a year and 18 months going, all right, we're going to change everything, the foundational pillars of the sport, and then we're going to abdicate and not punish anybody. So the truth is, I think for the past three or four years, we have been distracted. We've been distracted by, I don't know, Joe Burrow. My gosh, you talk about easy to get distracted by that Texas game. There was a third down in the second half at Texas. If you watch the game, it's four years. You may remember it right now. From that play forward, it was a pass completion. It was Jefferson kind of, he was gone. I was like, okay, this team's different. This is this team is better than I thought. They're worth paying attention to. And then if you remember, do you remember who really gave them what forward during the regular? It was Auburn. And there was a play where Joe Burrow was going out of bounds, and I mean, they cracked that boy, and I mean good. And I thought, this is about to change the season. Like, you may remember that one hit on Joe Burrow. Do you remember Joe Burrow did? Got up went, oh, 
Like he liked it. I was like, oh boy. And it looked like an old, remember the old Batman show? Zing, pow, Socko. Like that was LSU next. I don't know. They gave Auburn the ball, as I'm remembering, on like the nine-yard line on a fumbled punt, and Auburn turned it into points, and I was like, they may win today. Joe Burrow and and all the receivers and the pass rush and Clyde, a first-round running back. Folks, we got distracted. Ed Ogeron was the head coach. We got distracted. Joe Burrow distracted us from what was actually going on that his anecdotal, quippish comment as the confetti is still falling from the ceiling of the Superdome. Hey, do you recall Joe Burrow following the game, uniform still on, before he went to see the media, the locker room, his family? He went to the student section. He was asked, why did you hang out in the student section? Do you remember his answer? Was it because he hadn't been on campus much? Heath, he said, because I wanted to meet some students before I left. Yeah. It was supposed to be funny, and it kind of was. Um, why were you hanging out with the student section? He's like, well, I wanted to meet some LSU students before I wasn't in Baton Rouge anymore. Do you remember Fast Times at Richmond High? Charles Jefferson? It was supposed to be a punchline. He just flies in for the games. Like, that was supposed to be an exaggeration to make a point. Joe Burrow flew in for the, for the season, took one online course, Never darkened a doorway on campus. He was being serious. I wanted to meet some students before I left. Now, I don't credit, I'm excuse me, I don't criticize Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, if he were healthy, he's one of my three or four favorite NFL players. He's just so much fun and just gutsy and everything. Uh, And he gets hit a lot. Um, But Joe Burrow, Ed Ogeron, I'm the biggest Ed Ogeron guy in his town. Almost no matter what town it is, except Destin now, because I bet he spreads around the tip money pretty liberally. Heath, don't you imagine if you're out, isn't it Destin where he said he was going? Uh, I believe yeah. that's where, yeah, pretty much all the coaches have a place down there. He hangs out down there. And, yeah, I, I, as Can't long as he's in a good mood, I imagine Ed takes care of people. Four o'clock on like a Tuesday, he's got butcher paper with a pyramid of fried shrimp on it. Like, he's passing, or he gives you a C for that, doesn't he? He doesn't just pay the eighteen ninety five. Like, Ed Ogeron's one of my favorite people. And he distracted us more than anything. They hired a mascot of Cajun Nation to be their coach and said, I don't know, just get a bunch of great players. He's like, well, work for Gene Chizik. Um, how about the next year? What were we distracted by? I don't know, something other than the air I breathe may kill me. Enough to distract me. I remember watching an Ole Miss home game in November. Folks, it was a super spreader event. I saw COVID literally like spilling over the sides of the stands onto the field. I was like, I, we love our college football. Distract me from the reality of my world. After that, Georgia, I don't know. A program challenging a status not seen for 90 years? Three straight? I'm in. And I'm not even a Georgia fan. I'm an Auburn grad. And I was in. I was like, in, in, in. What a fantastic story. It's the 33rd franchise. I'm so in. All great, all exciting, all resulting in us looking the other way. And it is gruesome over our shoulders, folks. 
college football has been changed. And in this case, change is not for the better, I don't believe. We are just enjoying nice big slices off that golden goose in the moment, which is why I said last night proved all the naysayers wrong about college football and where it's headed in the moment. There was a game, if you go back to the COVID year, where there was a bowl game that was scheduled might have been the ticket city bowl might have been the heart of dallas might have been something but because of the particulars involved the network espn basically told the two teams i'm i'm trying to remember it was a bc game yeah the game just doesn't matter it's not important so we're just canceling it so when we start being told by networks by players by municipalities that the bowls don't matter as a for instance i can't ever have an orange bowl like that again i can't there was no commentary at all on mike norvell and the florida state program i am a man of a certain age and i can go way back heath may be too young for this maybe 1982, there was an NFL player strike. And they quickly organized a couple of all-star teams that were going to do some barnstorming around the country. Heath, does that ring a bell to you at all? Oh, yeah. 1982, they played the first two games of the season, and then we had like, what, nine weeks, I think it was, or something like that. Uh Seven weeks, I guess, so we didn't have football. And the owners were going to hardline it. Fine, we'll shut down the league. If you noticed, five years later when there was another strike, do you remember what happened? The magic of the replacements for three weeks. The owner said, oh, by the way, these games are going to count. Well, suddenly the players got, we love that contract offer. The games are going to count. The NFL in 82 was like, we won't play any games. Players put together some all-star teams, and they were going to travel around, and we're going to play football on our own. They weren't, I want to say, quote, legit teams. It's why the Pro Bowl has never really caught our interest because in football, if it's not a real team, it can't just like the Major League All-Star game couldn't get enough of that stuff that historically we've all and I'm talking about in the age when we were still impressed in a three network world. The NBA All-Star game couldn't get enough of that. Football has always been different in the game of football. If it's not a legitimate team. It doesn't matter how good it is. I did color on, like, I lived in Georgia basically all my life. And one year I got asked to do uh, color on the state of Georgia high school all-star game for football. I show up and I'm like, five-star, 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 five-star. It was on TV. It was Admission was free. Why was admission free? They wanted folks to show up. It was just this sh- uh, side of giving away like cokes and hot dogs. If you would show up, we'll give you a voucher. I don't know, like two hundred people there for some of the best almost college football. It wasn't a real team. It's why the Pro Bowl. We would watch the other All Star games in football. It's not a real team. Florida State. That wasn't a like a legit representation of that team. Which is why, if you're a Georgia or a Florida State fan and you bought the university package, God bless you for doing that. I don't understand why. And I've always thought a trip to a bowl game 
I, I'm not just old guy. Everything used to be better. Everything didn't used to be better. Like the ACC used to be better. That's about the only thing in college football I can come up with prior to 2019. The ACC used to be better. All right. Other than that, everything was better in college football. Now everything is different. And we are being distracted in the moment by some unbelievable individual achievements. Um, the harsh reality coming is what we were able to mostly ignore with Malik Murphy. Nah, I'm not going to play in the bowl game. I have to take care of me and mine. Every reason to not play in that semifinal game as the backup quarterback Every reason to not play in the Orange Bowl, it is true for a player in the 10, 11, or 12 seed game next year. Every single reason that makes sense and the player is right, and I get it. Or honestly, the one seed. We were talking about Caleb Williams. He, I, I think he's going to be the first overall pick. If Caleb Williams is going to be the first overall pick, if they were in the playoffs... It's just as unwise for all the exact same reasons for Kelly Williams playing a playoff game. Michael Penix, if he's going to be the second quarterback, guess what doesn't make sense for Michael Penix based on the exact same measuring sticks is not playing in that bowl game. So the, I mean, with just blistering velocity on this, the pro mentality has overrun college football. And you don't want to be NFL-like because every single time a league has challenged the NFL, they've always been crushed. You want to be college football. You want to be less like the NFL every time somebody has tried to be sort of the NFL and worked out well for them. And that's where the uh, college football... And so, by the way, it requires legislation and unionization and declaration that we are employees and collectively bargained limits on name, image, likeness. All this stuff that if you do it on your own is illegal. Once they collectively bargain it, it's within the guardrail. So that's what we got. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back next. of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show rolling through a tuesday on the chuck oliver show First Tuesday of the new year, and we have a national championship game set. Nine states and 60 sticks. Dealing out two hours of talk a day. I want to welcome on right now CBS Sports. That's HQ, and that's everything that they deal out. Sirius XM College, all of that. If it's college football, this man knows it. Barrett Salee, welcome back to the show, friend. How are you today? I'm great, Chuck. How are you? I'm good. Uh, there is still the same number of four stars and five stars, and Nick Saban's a coach and can hire just about anybody he wants. Why did the offensive line never really get fixed this season for Bama? Well, because maybe the, the guy he that did turn him down is playing in the national championship game, and that's Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator for Washington, former offensive line coach, turned down taking over the offense from Bill O'Brien at Alabama last year. 
they ended up settling on Tommy Reese. So, you know, I think for, for Alabama, would that have changed things? Maybe. But at the same time, the offensive line has been a problem for more than just this yep. season. So I think right now, um, you know, it's, it's more of a philosophical thing. And I think it, this is just a theory. Nick said at Media Days last year, or this year, I should say, that they became too Bryce-oriented. And that's true. But I don't think he necessarily or that staff necessarily uh, finished that renovation project. And as a result, some of the same issues kept lingering. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because, and I said this last night on HQ, Michigan and that defensive staff had four weeks to try to overthink themselves and outthink the room. And they didn't because they just said, hey, you know what? Let's go back. Let's get after Jalen Milrow, and let's see if he's the guy from the Texas game in week two. And let's see if he's the guy prior to fourth and 31 who in the Auburn game got rattled. And they ran a lot of – and Auburn ran all over them, and, and they almost won. So, to me, I just think it's, uh, it's a case of Nick Saban not necessarily adjusting the, the real way, the full way in, in terms of how to fix this whole problem. CBS Sports, he's a media personality. It's Barrett Salee. Barrett, uh, Nick Saban's future, top of mind now that we know how the season ended. Just what's the future and when? I think he stays, um, but I'm not sold on that. I'm like 60-40 on that because this was one of Nick's favorite teams, and, and he said that in the post-game press conference. And he said it's not all about winning and losing or in terms of championships because, you know, only one team can win a championship and all that stuff. Um so would I be surprised if he left, um, you know, on what he would view as a high note because he is so proud of this team? I think he would consider it. But in the end, it really is about championships, right? It is for him and Tuscaloosa, and we know all that. Um, I don't – this is a weird thing because I know that Kirby is bottom line cutthroat. I mean, just a cold killer. But even he, after the Orange Bowl, was like, folks, really – um, I think he's exhausted by this, and he just wanted – he beat a conference champion by 60, and he was not satisfied. Yeah. Um, I think he's worn out by this. T- tell me what you think about Kirby and, and his future. And, and I'm not saying he's leaving. I'm just saying, like, he looked as unsatisfied as any coach I've ever seen win a game by 60. Well, I, I kind of read it differently. I, I think he was unsatisfied that he had to deal with this, and so did Florida State. You know, I read it as if this was – um, it was unfortunate that the game. Oh, he like was commenting on the system. Absolutely, he was commenting on the yeah. setting, the system, all of it. Yeah, and and it is it's unfortunate because for some of those teams, and his is included, it is championship or bust. And if you don't have a chance, then everything falls apart, like it did in both of those in, for both of those teams. So, uh, yeah, he's exhausted. Um, but I do think that Kirby it has the kind of personality that he can take the reins from Nick Saban in the sense of being that voice for college football. Because Nick is that voice, but he's not going to be around much longer. And I think Kirby recognizes that there's a void to be filled, and he, he can do a good job of trying to fill it. All right, so last thing for you, and you cover everybody. I mean, we used to talk just SEC with you, but, I mean, my gosh, you're, you're bad. You're nationwide. Uh, Florida State, uh, will this result in anything more than it's now matter of legal public record? They strenuously object to being left out of the playoffs, and they don't like the ACC, et cetera. Is there any outcome as far as an accelerated timeline and a reduced exit fee? 
I think there will be a reduced exit fee, and I think that um, there will be a, a, a it'll happen before 2036. I think at some point you just have to get a divorce, right? Like it's just, you can't live together for that long and, and not um, find a way to, to, to move on with your lives. So, yeah, I think it will be before then. But as we all know, Chuck, billable hours, they are undefeated. When there are lawyers, they will make both sides pay. And they're, they're going to get every ounce, every, every cent out of this. All right, Barrett, I appreciate the input as always, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chuck. Follow this man. He knows what it is. Sirius XM College. Hear him every Sunday I know of. Maybe other days as well, but he's on there Sunday mornings. Uh, CBS Sports HQ, which if you don't know that, he's employed by CBS Sports. But CBS Sports HQ, it's the digital, it's the traditional, it's the everything. And so you can even watch him. Now, again, there's no accounting for taste, but if you do want to view Barrett Salee, you can. Chuck, just a, a quick note on uh, FSU and the stats and what they put up. Because, again, that, that last game obviously was devastating. But overall, top to bottom, if you look, their final three games, their completion percentage was actually 40.5% over the last three games for their quarterbacks. The worst anybody had for a team for the full year was Rutgers at 48%. I mean, I get that FSU fans are still salty, it's just pretty clear they they could not compete with what they had at quarterback at the level they were trying to compete the last three weeks at a national championship level. They just couldn't do it. And uh, that 60 points was amazing. It could have been 80 if they wanted, 100 if they wanted. I mean, it could have been so much worse. Absolutely true. And the days where everybody kind of does the same thing, which is this massive humanity playing tug-of-war between the 40s, that's not really what the game is. And so if you had a devastating injury, well, that means that the guy handing the ball off or slamming into the line about 15 times, uh, he would not be quite as good as the guy who wasn't playing. It's 2023, or it was. If you lose your quarterback, uh, it could devastate you. If it's Jordan Travis and then the backup is as not Jordan Travis as the backups were, um, yeah, it shows you that uh, it just it was going to be a tough go. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today's your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacey and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. College football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Rolling through this Tuesday on Chuck Oliver Show. I always said Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, check the box, one point for honesty. All right, all of y'all should transfer. You're not good enough to play here, and I'm the coach, and I don't want you. 
I don't think that Kirby has said that uh, in mass in Athens. I mean, he just won a bowl game by 60 by for whatever value you want to put on that. Uh, but there has been a bunch of players jumping into the transfer portal, and some of them have been depth guys. Some of them are guys that were not over-recruited. They were properly evaluating recruiters, just a depth chart thing, and I want to start or play or, you know, whatever. But the reality is you have to deal with – there's something about, you know, my backup is a junior, and he started five games and played a lot of special teams here, and he understands – he speaks the language. There's a lot a value to that versus jumping into the portal and getting a three-year starter from Colorado State. Like, it's just, it's just, there's something about having your own guys. I want to welcome on right now. We're going to talk about everything with the UGA right now from Dog Nation. It's Connor Riley. Connor, welcome back. How are you? Doing good, Chuck. Happy New Year. Glad to be on with you. Yeah, same to you, and I appreciate your time. Um, now, I will say, on balance, when I say you get Trevor, and by, Colby Young, London Humphrey, there's some good names coming to Athens. When you get Trevor ETN, in and of Trevor Etienne by himself, that'll balance out a whole lot of portal. Uh, but let's talk about just the raw numbers because they were all big recruits. Um, give me your take on the flow of players. It's like 20 guys now in the portal from uh, UGA. Yeah, 20 guys, 18 on scholarship. Uh, it, it's just sort of, I think, the way of the sport right now where on a year-in, year-out basis of a place like Georgia – where they're going to continue to primarily recruit from the high school ranks. You know, they signed 28 guys in the uh, 2024 signing class. If you're going to keep bringing that level of recruit every single year, you're going to have a lot of transfer portal guys leaving the program. Now, for the most part, a lot of those guys are guys who have been in the program two, three years. You're not losing, for the most part, guys that were just there for one year and looking to go somewhere else. So, you know, you want to keep most of the guys you develop. And I think for the most part, Georgia has been able to do that. Uh, but you know, this is just sort of the reality of when you're at a place like a Georgia an Ohio state, Alabama, I'm sure is going to have their fair share of transfer portal players as their season has now come to an end. It's just sort of the reality of it. You know, Georgia had 16 guys, I think go to the portal last year, you have 18 right now. And that, that number is going to get even higher. Uh, I think after spring practice and, you know, might even before the portal window officially closes for Georgia, on thursday so it's something that kirby sport knows he doesn't love having to deal with it it's a it leads to georgia having younger teams i think i've been going through the roster they might only have like six or seven guys that'll be like fourth year players that have been in this program for four years next year but it's just kirby Smart understands it's the way the modern college football world Tell me your takeaways. Like, we have a bunch of affiliates in Georgia, a bunch of Bulldog fans, a bunch of people who compete against Georgia who are interested. Tell me the valuable takeaway for 2024 from that thing down in Miami. This team, I think, is still going to be really, really good next year. Uh, you know, like, you can't put too much stock in that one game because it was such, I think, a skeleton crew of Florida State in terms of them wanting to be there and play in that game. But, you know, Georgia Georgia won by 60 points, and they didn't even run up the score. Uh, you know, Carson Beck didn't play in the second half. Kendall Milton didn't have a carry in the second half. Uh, it, it could have been somehow, as hard as it is to believe, it could have been much, much worse for Florida State had they wanted to. Uh, but, you know, no Brock Bowers is out there. No Amarius Mims is out there. Both those guys are going to be going on to the NFL. Lad McConkey had one catch in the game, and so you're not really doing a whole lot with him in that game. He's like, He's now off to the NFL as well. 
you get a lot of young players reps next for next season. And it was a good look to see, you know, not, not just Gunnar Stockton, the backup quarterback, but then guys, you know, Daniel Harris is a quarterback. They really like got a lot of playing time for him. You start two freshmen inside linebackers and CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson there. You get a lot of experience for guys. And, and while, you know, it, it, it you know, they're going to play in a much more hostile environments next year. It's always good to get young players real game reps because it just makes them less nervous when they do have to go on the road to Tuscaloosa at the end of September. They have to go to Austin next year in October. So to get so many young players that are going to be big players for you next year, real game reps, there is some real value to that, and I think that'll pay off in the long run. Uh, but as far as individual takeaways, as far as, ooh, this guy had a great bowl game, he's you know, going to have a great year next year, I don't know if there's anybody that really jumps to mind there. All right, um, and it wasn't a great game, but like Oscar Delp last year, I think it was Ohio State, wasn't it? It was like, hey, we got to injury this and this other thing and depth chart, go get you some. Um, there was more of a plan, obviously, for Oscar this year. Um, give me your idea about where he is right now because Uber recruit, like everybody else there, and athletic is all get out. And, I mean, if you're playing the same position as Brock Bowers, he's going to suck a lot of the air out of the room. You point out last year, Oscar Delk gets thrown into that Ohio State game because Darnell Washington picks up an injury. And that did, I think, help him as he transitioned into a bigger role this year, obviously playing alongside Brock Bowers, but they still gave Oscar plenty of reps there. I'll be interested in seeing next year if Georgia wants to feature Oscar Delp in its passing game because it felt like this year – Brock Bowers is obviously the center point of this offense when he was out there healthy. And Lad McConkey, uh, Dominic Lovett there as well. Oscar never felt to me like a guy that was really featured or prominently involved as a piece of the passing game, but someone who, all right, he was maybe a third or a fourth read. And if we can get him the ball, that's going to help there because he does have real athletic ability. He has yet to meet a defender that he doesn't want to try and hurdle. He tried that in the Florida State game. It didn't go very no. well. Uh, but he's got great size. He's someone who really, really improved as a blocker this year for Georgia. And so I think going into the off season for him, the next step, he's got the hands, he's got the athletic ability. It's putting him in position consistently to use his athletic gifts. And I think Georgia's going to want to do that. They're going to have to do that. Losing guys like Brock and, and Lad McConkey and Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint. I think Oscar is a guy that showed real strides this year and, his second year in the program and has put himself in a position where next year Jordan's probably going to feature him in the passing offense a little bit more. And he's got the ability and now the knowledge to go ahead and do that. SEC country, BA, our good friend. It's dog nation folks. This is Connor Riley. When it comes to UGA covering UGA football, he's about the best you're going to find. Um, all right, so there are things you know, like, hey, uh, is this guy hurt or is um, he going to start again, whatever. There are things then you maybe just have a feel about or an opinion about. Maybe this is in that second category. When is Glenn Schumann going to get hired away? I think he needs to have a really, really strong year next year for that to be the case. Now, Glenn can afford to be picky, and I think Glenn wants to be picky. He's got as much talent in the country in terms of going out there and bringing guys in. But I don't think this defense this year had the year that a lot of people thought it could have had. Now, they had a lot of injuries, and they were just not very deep on the front seven, which is why I think you saw them play so deferentially against Alabama, whereas you saw Michigan be really aggressive in terms of attacking Jalen Milrow. But we also know this time last year, the Philadelphia Eagles made a very strong push to hire Glenn Schumann as the defensive coordinator. And, you know, the Eagles have a lot of problems this year, and it wouldn't surprise me if an NFL team does try to come after him again. You see the success the Ravens had 
and bringing in Mike McDonald. Now, McDonald had an NFL background, but you've seen the success of college DCs and going to the pros there. But I think Glenn wants to be a, a college head coach, and I think because of the fact that he's at a place like Georgia, until a really big job, I think, opens up for him, specifically in the southern footprint. You know, he's a guy that he's only ever coached two places, Alabama and Georgia. Uh, I think he's going to be picky, and it's more a thing of the right job opening. You see Dan Lanning going and getting that Oregon job and, and the success that he had early on. I think Glenn recognizes that same same atmosphere and same sort of pathway, and he knows he can afford to be patient because, again, he's still very young. I want to say he's 33, even 34 yeah. years old. He's not in a rush to go be a head coach. So I think it's going to come down to more – the right job opening for him than him just so much deciding, oh, I'm willing to leave. You know, you look at Kirby Smart, had plenty of offers and waited until the Georgia job came open to leave Alabama. And now he was maybe leaving to take the South Carolina job that same cycle and then the Georgia job opens up. But I think I think Glenn knows that he can afford to be patient and wait for the right job that fits his personality and fits what he's looking for to go be a head coach. Wrapping up, just a couple more things about the coaches' staff. And Will Muschamp, um, if you remember Tommy West, he was at Memphis, but he was also at Clemson. And I remember he, like, said this firsthand conversation. He said, when you're a head coach, the paychecks really – he says, payday is nice. He says, literally everything else sucks. He says, I never want to be a head coach again. Do you think Will Muschamp wants to be a head coach again? Because he's had a couple of shots at it, and he's been well paid. He doesn't – he never looked like a guy that was really having a fun time. No, and then you see on on Saturday in that Florida State game, well, he's getting to watch his son. His, his kid got a carry. Jackson. That was awesome. Yeah, getting a carry. It was it was honestly it was probably my favorite thing of that bowl game. Just seeing the pure joy yep. that he had on the sideline, getting to watch that. And Jackson still has another year of eligibility. And Will does have a son who's going to play quarterback at Vanderbilt next year. And he's got you know his family in the Athens area. He's got a really great job here at Georgia. He, he, you know, he's not the defensive coordinator, but he's making about eight hundred thousand dollars a year as the co-DC. Gets to gets to work with defensive backs. Gets to do a lot of the things he loves to do without any of the real pressure that comes with that job. Uh, and you even see Mike Bobo and sort of the the pressure cooker he's in as the offensive coordinator and play caller for yep. Georgia. Uh, I think Will really likes it. You know, two three years from now we'll see. Uh, I, if the right, similar to Glenn Schumann, the right job comes open for him and, and he can really coach and, and do the things he wants to. But he loves it in Athens right now. And, you know, he, he got about $40 million in buyout from, from Florida and South Carolina. Truth. So money, I don't think it's ever going to be an issue for Will Muschamp. And, and right now, you know, getting to watch his sons play, I think that means a lot to him. And that's something that he very much prioritizes. And as you saw on Saturday, he really reaps the benefits of that. All right, last thing for you. Um, and the only reason I'm asking is because I guess it was the off season going into the 20 to, to 2020 season. Um, Kirby hired Scott Cochran and I heard that verbalized by people who cover the sport full time as the most impactful off season hire the entire, like the impact on the program. Um, has that even, is that viewed as a success at this point? Not, not that gargantuan expectation and the commentary, but was the hiring, the poaching of Scott Cochran, and was that viewed as a success now four years on, three years on? I don't think so. I mean, that same offseason he hired Todd Munkin, and I think it's inarguable that Todd Munkin has had a way bigger impact uh, on Georgia than Scott Cochran has. You know, he was he was a, a on-field special teams coordinator 
for I think like six months yep. and then steps away from the program is currently sober and and so you know works as a special teams analyst now but it is not this mega impact coaching addition that we thought it was going to be when when Georgia brings him over from Alabama and I'm not expecting any further coaching changes with this staff this year I don't think there's an on-field spot for Scott Cochran yeah. there, and it's one of those things where you know maybe it was a bigger loss for Alabama than it was a gain for Georgia in terms of that impact there. But you know Scott Cochran hasn't had the impact that I think a lot of people, not just local media but national media, Absolutely. because of how important he was for Alabama, has had in coming to Georgia. But he's still a positive addition, helps out on special teams as a guy that Kirby Smart likes and having a part of the staff and is just a guy that Kirby Smart has known for a while and. It is nice to work with people that you enjoy working with. Connor Riley, appreciate your input as always, friend. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Chuck. Covers UGA, does it for Dog Nation. Way, way, way back in the day, I'm going to guess, and I, I, I think I'm going to get this right. I think it was the beginning of the 15 season. SEC Country debuted. I think it was at the exact same time that Gridiron Now debuted. And obviously there was no knowledge in the industry. Um, but it was a massive, just blown out. We're going to cover every single team as a grand idea. It was a good product. Uh, and then after a couple of years, it got boiled down to Dog Nation. And so that's Brandon Adams, who was actually the producer here when SEC Country started. And so, uh, been dialed into that thing since literally they burst it. And it's just, it's a, it's a high end product when it comes to covering Georgia and, uh, it certainly has been the salad days for them uh, over the past few years. But as is the case, it's why we're employed, okay? It's it's why it matters, and we've talked about this. Uh, one loss is a crisis. That's where the Georgia fan base is right now. One loss is a crisis. And that was not where you were previously. Uh, with Mark Richt, it was we win 10 games, and then it's we, we win almost 10 games. And I'm not – downplaying you average like 9.7 wins for a decade and a half in the sec wow then you need to tell me where it is if you average nine and a half wins for a decade and a half and it's at missouri there's a national award named after you if you average nine and a half wins and it's a decade and a half at georgia the question is why was he coached for a decade and a half so the stage always matters. And it's just, I mean, it's just unreal where Kirby has that program right now. Based on it, it had always been really good. And it had the reputation of had done more, or excuse me, done less with more in the recruiting and the built-in and the money and the facility. And, all and a lot of it was accurate. They were really, really good as a program. Now they're elite, and I think the best program in the game. All right, we're going to break, come back. Oh, my gosh, we've got to wrap up on this Tuesday. Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. We were playing sloppy ball. Um, Bama, you know, they came out of the half, started playing physical. Um, started bringing extra guys down in the run fit. So just things we had to clean up. You know, there's 4.30, 11 o'clock. I look at the guys, I was like, guys, this is the last drive we'll ever have together. And I think our guys answered. Um, 
just to get a first down, just to get a little bit of momentum, change it, uh, flip the script a little bit. And, uh, you know, Blake's, Blake's catch on the fourth and one, I really feel like that changed. Trevor Keegan, he's one of those big dudes for Michigan. He's number 77, offensive lineman. And he's talking post-game about how they kind of held together. They never looked flustered, never looked out of place. They were the undefeated number one team in America. They shouldn't have, but that's what the expectation for some were. The fact that Alabama, the first half, if you watched it, they're walking off the field. They're down only 13 to 10 and get the ball first to start the second half. My goodness. I was like, there's your ball game. There's your opportunity. Man, a little bit of a drive didn't turn into enough of a drive. Do you demerit for the game broadcast? That was ESPN proper, right? Not okay, not ABC, not anything else. ESPN, right? Yeah, it was the top crew. Okay, uh, no, ding, demerit, take a lap. You know why? I, I've said, I've said you want to you you don't want to be more like the NFL. You want to be more like college football. The broadcast feature yesterday, and it wasn't because, oh, they're running the ball and the drives are going long. The commercial break following a kickoff. That is a particular NFL evil that for the most part has gone away, and they did that at least one time in the first half and one time in the second half, and I would assume it was something that ABC or whoever contractually worked in. Hey, if we're going to pay this month much, we need an extra commercial break in the first half and the second half. Sometimes if it's Air Force and Navy, and you're going to have an hour 35 broadcast, they'll slow things down and do that. That's not the case. They played football for over three and a half hours last night. So that broadcast was plenty long. Putting the commercial break, follow, score, commercial break, kickoff, new commercial break. Boo, ABC, ESPN, Disney. Boo, all of you. I have a question, though, for you, Chuck. Did you enjoy the sunset? Oh, my gosh. Beautiful L.A. sunset. Oh, over the San Gabriel Mountains, Chuck. The sunset. Magical setting. Just gorgeous. So beautiful. So that everybody in college football gets their day jacked up so that you could enjoy that sunset. The second game of the two games last night ended just before one in the morning. They did. Eastern time. That's why I was, I think, about seven and a half hours of, quote, free football. And and my wife, as soon as she saw that it was going to be an 845 scheduled kick, which thanks to overtime turned into a 902 scheduled kick for Washington and Texas, immediately said, what is this? That is so stupid. I'm not going to be able to stay up and watch that whole game. Why are they doing that? I said, honey, don't you know about the sunset? I mean, it's just amazing, Chuck, that the Rose Bowl, look, it's a beautiful setting. And, and I don't know if you've gotten to go to a game there or not. It's a great place to, to experience a game if it's not UCLA with like eight people in the stands. But if there's an interested crowd, it's a great place to experience a game. And but, heck of a sunset compared to other sunsets. It's very pretty. But it's, it, I'm sorry, it's just insane that they've been able to hijack this, this sport for decades over that sunset. I have talked before about the first time. Have you ever been to Keenan Stadium in Chapel Hill? Oh, yeah. It's a football stadium. It's a nice football stadium. It's a nice enough setting. Did you hear the mythology about through the pines rising up magically? If I was, they made it sound like you're in the middle of like Blair Witch Project stuff, and all of a sudden you like bumped into a football stadium in the Bring middle of the pine trees. I was like, no, I think it's actually a football stadium that they didn't clear cut everything around it. But like sometimes when the setting is so built up, and I walked up and I was like. There are some pines, 
being that it's North Carolina, you'll find those, but but it always surprised me as well. Yeah, I just I, I, I am amazed that we have allowed over the years this, and especially when you consider that the Big Ten, who more than anybody else defended this bowl game, as soon as it came time for them to conveniently say, hey, it's good for us to knife the Pac-12, pop that balloon, we're going to do it anyway. Done. Your, your sacred Rose Bowl with its sacred traditions, eh, tough. Pac-12's going bye-bye. Uh, Chuck, it would, be re- it would be remiss of us if we did not acknowledge the uh, end of the Iowa football season. Iowa ends the year with back-to-back shutouts in their final two games with Brian Ferentz as their offensive coordinator. They played three ranked teams this season. They were shut out in all three games. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. Power 5 teams shut out three-plus times in one season since 2000. Every other team, Chuck, the best record of any of them was 3-9 and nine for Baylor in 2002. Iowa went 10-4 and four and got shut out three times. All against ranked teams. It's amazing. That's impossible to have done. Amazing that the coach's son stayed as OC as long as he did. Impossible that it would happen anywhere except where, actually, remember, the AD was technically his coach, not his dad. Just can't have that in state of Iowa. Wraps it up on Tuesday. Me, Hopper, Heath, everybody. 22 hours from now, be back talking college football. Chuck Oliver Show. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.